0: Hello everyone, welcome to the show again. It's wonderful, as always, to have you listening, watching on RTL Play With Video, of course. And today I have a very special show indeed. I've got guests coming from Israel and Palestine, brought together by Martin Kleinberg, who is the president of the Jewish Call for Peace, which is a small organization based out of Luxembourg here. My guests are Bassam Aramin, who is Palestinian, and Ram El Hanan, who is Israeli, and we're going to talk more about your lives and experiences through the course of this show. But I want to turn first to Martin Kleinberg. You have organized, you're the president of the Jewish Call for Peace, and you've brought these people together here in Luxembourg for the second time. First of all, tell us about the organization.
1: Thank you, Lisa. So Jewish Call for Peace was created uh, in 2021 because we felt the need to express uh, an alternative Jewish voice also in Luxembourg, because very often the main Jewish voice that I heard are those who are supporting Israel, whatever the policy of Israel. And actually, this is not the case. You have many Jews who don't feel uh, that they have to identify with uh, with Israel or with its policy. But then we were quite discreet as a new organisation looking for, for members. And then happened the 7th of October. And this was, yeah, clearly, I mean, we were stunned uh, at the beginning, but then we decided that we cannot remain silent. Um, so we started to become public. And then uh, we were asked by the Festival d'Immigration, by the client, to organize something uh, together. And uh, together we decided to invite Bassam and Rami. For us, it was the only, well, this was already back in December, January. This was the only event that we could imagine to organize, uh, not knowing what the situation will be in February, that it was really indeed important to see that uh, people can talk together, that uh, Israelis and Palestinians can have the same value and wanting to live together, especially when they have been through high, really high and deep pain. And so also here to show in Luxembourg that we don't need to take one side. We should not polarize That support uh, people who really want to achieve peace and justice uh, in the region there.
0: And it's so wonderful to have you both here and your stories are incredible. I'm going to ask you, rather than me, read out a biography of your stories. I would like you, in your own words, to tell us your stories and a little bit of what you've lived through. So I'll start with you, Rami Elhanan. I hope I've pronounced your name correctly. Tell us about your story and the tragedy in your own personal family life?
2: Well, uh, hello. Hello. I'm uh, an Israeli, seventh generation uh, Jerusalemite. Uh, I was uh, born in Jerusalem. I was raised up in Jerusalem. Uh, I went to school in Jerusalem. I'm a son of a Holocaust survivor, my ma- my father's side, uh, my mother was uh, a nurse and I'm an ordinary Israeli and uh, with an ordinary life, uh, a victim of the uh, Israeli upbringing method, brainwashed. Uh, I was a soldier in the uh, October 73 war. We, um, I lost many, many good friends. I became kind of an anarchist, uh, not uh, interested in politics and living uh, inside a bubble. And uh, 26 years ago, on the 4th of September 1997, uh, Hamas suicide bombers blew themselves up in Ben Yehuda Street in the center of Jerusalem. They killed five people that day, including uh, three little girls. One of these girls was my 14-year-old daughter, Smadar. And my life turned upside down. A year later, I uh, joined the parent circle, the uh, Israeli-Palestinian bereaved families for peace, which gave a uh, meaning to this uh, senseless killing, which gave me a reason to get out of bed in the morning. And uh, this is what I'm doing ever since.
0: Thank you for telling your story, Rami, and I'm so sorry about the loss of your daughter. As you mentioned, you joined the Parents' Circle, the Family Forum, and that's given you meaning. A similar story, different circumstances. Bassam, what happened in your life?
3: It's a very complicated life from all levels. It's very difficult to be a Palestinian at all, or to live, or grow up under a strange occupation, people that you don't know, they don't look like you, they don't speak your language, and you just hated them. You didn't need to to learn how to educate those strangers. So, in fact, uh, at the age of 13, I joined uh, another four kids. Uh, we create uh, a local military group, we call it, and we start by raising the Palestinian flag uh, because we note that the Israeli flag, the Palestinian flag, did the Israelis become nervous and crazy and I don't know why. So we use this tool to make the Israeli soldiers crazy. In fact, I spent seven years in the Israeli jails when I was 17 years old. It's very difficult to remain like normal human beings in jail. Their goal is to kill our humanity every moment and our goal is to survive in order to continue our struggle against the occupation. It's a very complicated uh, issue in jail. I watch a movie about the Holocaust, by chance. I don't know anything about the Holocaust. I think it's a big lie. But when I watch the movie, I start to cry because it's against the human nature for me. And because I want to understand the brutal behavior of the Israeli soldiers, I decide to know more about this big life, it's really happened, or it's just a movie, which led me after more than 25 years to make my master's degree about the Holocaust in Bradford University in the UK. Then after that, I started to visit death camps uh, in Germany. Because I learned in jail, if you know your enemy, you can defeat him or you can kill him. If you only hate him, you will kill yourself. So I discovered that if you know more, you act much better. If you don't know, so you don't know. And we have a very old Arabic saying. It says, educated enemy better than stupid friend. So it's very important to teach yourself or to learn about yourself and about the other side. Uh, In fact, I was one of the co-founders of a group called Combatants for Peace back in 2005 with uh, uh, my brother's son, uh, Elik al And then in the next meeting, I met Udrami. And I believe from the first meeting, he fell in love with me because we share the same values. We care about Israelis and Palestinians. We respect each other. And we believe that both sides have the right to exist, but without oppression, without occupation. And uh, two years later, on the 16th of January, 2007, an Israeli border police shot and killed my 10-year-old daughter, Abir in front of her school from a distance of 15 to 20 meters in her head from the back, she fell down and two days later she passed away in Hadassah hospital where she born, and in fact where Smadar born and died. Between Abir and Smadar it's 10 years and we don't know each other. But we believe it's the same killer, the same enemy who take off the lives of our daughters. This is our common enemy, it's the Israeli occupation. Because if there is no occupation, we don't need to fight each other, we don't need to kill each other. Abir likes Madar, they don't know anything about the conflict, they just little girls. For that, I joined the parent circle two days after I lost my daughter, because I know my brother Rami two years before, I am familiar with this organization, but in my worst dream, I don't want to join this amazing group because as Rami always said, it's the only organization on earth that does not seek new members because the ticket is very high. Uh, it's a long process to change yourself and to start to see uh, things in a different way. But when we talk about this bereavement, you will never heal. It's 24 hours. It's before and after your life. In fact, from the first moment I said, I wish Abir will be the last victim between the Israelis and the Palestinians. Her killer will die, and she will live longer than her killer, because I will talk about her everywhere around the world, because killing kids is unjustifiable under any circumstances. We come together to raise up our voice, and especially people like us who know exactly what's the meaning of this pain to say we have the moral authority to raise up our voice and to say no more blood, no more killing. We can live together, all side by side. And this is the result, this is the evidence, we are together.
0: Thank you. Thank you for telling us your very tragic story and very long and tough story as well, starting from the age of 13 and then going to prison yourself as well. I'm so sorry for your losses. We see this in the news as outsiders, those of us who don't live in Israel-Palestine. It's very difficult for us to know what it feels like on the ground. But listening to your stories, the first thing I heard from you, Rami, is the fact that you felt you were brainwashed growing up, that you didn't know the story of the other side. How did you overcome that? And how do you talk to your friends and family who've grown up in exactly the same way as you?
2: We are talking about two societies at war. They need to prepare the young generation to be able to sacrifice themselves when time comes. Uh, It's almost impossible to resist it. And uh, you need to be very, very strong to escape this. And
0: what are you told when you're growing up at school? What are you told about? You are
2: being told that you are a victim, that uh, you carry on your back uh, 3,000 years of Jewish uh, victimhood. At the age of uh, 16, we send our kids to Auschwitz to learn what victimhood is. (laughs) They come back draped with the national flag and the slogan, Never Again. And then a year or two years later, they find themselves uh, in the army, uh, sitting in some checkpoint. This 18-year-old kid uh, needs to decide whether this old man coming towards him is a terrorist, a time bomb, or just a grandfather which is really uh, inhuman uh, to put an 18-year-old kid in such situation. And you are incapable of making a a wise decision, independent decisions on the background of this uh, brainwashing uh, system, which starts in kindergarten and go on all your life. What happened to me is that... um, After the uh, October 73 war, I became kind of an anarchist. I lost many, many good friends in the war. I still wake up at night uh, remembering the horror of this war. And I have been very frustrated. I've been very disappointed. And I decided to uh, detach myself from any kind of... uh, Uh, involvement or commitment and uh, this is how I spent my life I was a graphic designer I had a graphic design studio I was doing graphic design for the right wing for the left wing whoever paid me and I was some kind of an anarchist and uh, I will say we were living in a bubble completely detached from the outside world minding our own business we had a very comfortable and good lives And on the uh, 4th of September, 1997, this bubble of ours was blown up to millions of pieces. Uh, And the feeling is horrible. I mean, uh, you cannot even try to imagine the power of this anger and pain, which eats you alive from within. And it's up to you what to do with it. About a year later, uh, I was invited to watch a meeting of this group of uh, crazy people and I was uh, getting a little bit curious, I said, to see uh, what's all about. I was very um, reluctant and very cynical as I always am. I was watching those people coming down from the buses that for me as an Israeli patriot were always living legends. I used to look up to them. I used to admire them. I never ever thought that one day I will become one of them, people who paid the highest price possible. But then a real change happened when I saw the uh, Palestinian bereaved families coming down from the buses, walking towards me, shaking my hand for peace, hugging me, crying with me, and my world was shaken. Uh, I was 47 years old at the time, and I always ashamed to admit it was the first time ever in my life I have met Palestinians as human beings, not as workers in the streets, not as uh, terrorists, not as uh, transparent people, as human beings who carry the same burden that I carry and suffer exactly like I suffer. And this event changed my life. I remember seeing this old Arab lady coming down from the bus with this long black traditional Palestinian dress and she had a picture of a six-year-old kid on her chest, exactly like my wife carried the name of our daughter Swadari on hers. I'm not a religious person. I have no way of explaining what happened to me back then, 25 years ago. All I can tell you is that from that moment on until today, I devote my life to go everywhere possible. And to talk to anyone possible, people who want to listen, people who will not listen, to convey this very basic and simple message, which says, we are not doomed. This is not our destiny, to keep on killing each other in this whole land of ours forever. We can change it, and we can break once and for all this endless cycle of violence, revenge, and retaliation. And the only way to do it is simply by talking to one another, because it will not stop unless we talk.
0: Thank you again for telling your story. It, it's it, it's so deep inside you. I can feel it here in the studio, and and feel that change that uh, may not have been religious, but something happened to you when you were forty seven years old. Again, though, I imagine coming from the outside, we see the loss of so many people on both sides, and we think. One, living there must be slightly inured to the constant tragedy, the constant losses. But as you describe it, each loss is extremely personal and it shatters lives. But for the Israelis that you're talking to, what do they think about what you're doing in the world over the last 25 years?
2: Uh, It depends. Uh, For most of them, I'm crazy. Uh, The pain has made me uh, insane. And this is why I'm willing to speak uh, to my uh, brother, the brutal terrorist who wants to kill me. Uh, And I fully understand it because I was there. Uh, But I know this man, I know his uh, humanity, I know his nobility, I know his uh, ability to But
0: if you can't change the mind's... Of your friends and family, Mm. how can you keep on hoping?
2: Because I can change the minds. You know, when we get into a high school, and we do a lot of meetings in high schools, Israeli and Palestinian high schools, they are not as polite and receptive as you are. The earth is shaking. We are just like walking into the open mouth of an active volcano. There is a sea of blood between these two nations and uh, most of them for the first time in their life or they never have laid hands on an Israeli and a Palestinian which are, which are not fighting each other, which are calling each other brother, which are not comparing their pain, which putting the pain on the table, t- trying to compare whose pain is bigger, who's to what, who's to blame. And we tell our stories and no one can listen to us and remain the same. Uh, And as far as I'm concerned, even if in the end of the class there will be only one kid, Israeli or Palestinian, nodding his head with acceptance to this man, it's a miracle. We saved one drop of blood in Judaism, one drop of blood is the whole world. And in fact, uh, they stand in long line, wanting to shake our hands, wanting to keep on speaking to us, wanting to listen more. I think we make a difference.
0: Turning to, back to you, Bassam, again, you have an experience, but the other side, when you were telling us your story, you kept using the word enemy, know your enemy, defeat your enemy, an educated enemy, and this is the minds that, that you were raised in.
3: You know, for the Palestinians, it's totally a different story from the Israeli side. We don't need education to know that those people, when I say people, I mean the soldiers, is your enemy. Because they come to fight you. They are very brutal. Uh, For that, when I thought about the movie, I want to understand their behavior. It's unbelievable, full of brutality, and you don't understand why as kids. So I say to myself, maybe they watch such a movie, which is a big lie for me. Then they come to my village. Absolutely, they will act in this way. And even if this thing happened to us, to the Palestinians, Maybe we will lose our humanity and act in this brutal way. It means in that time, even in jail. I have no idea what happened to the Palestinians in '48. We don't have this education process because since in 67, until the 93, it was a Jordanian school box in the West Bank and in Gaza Egyptian under the Israeli military occupation. We don't learn anything about the history of this region, uh, so it's totally a different issue. We act according to the reality on the ground, which is more uh, uh, stronger than any education. So we didn't come to say this land is uh, land without people for people without land, like the Zionist slogan. Then, after a few years, they discovered that they kick out seven hundred. 1,000 Palestinians who was there, uh, so for that the Palestinians said we are the truth and they are the story or the narrative Now we are not going to talk about the history Jalal ad Rumi says, beyond right and wrong there is a field, let us meet there When they talk about 2,000 years and we talk about 10,000 years who was here before I said the Palestinian history start for me in the 23rd of June 1968, when I born, I am here. I want peace, I want security, I want dignity, I want social justice, I want freedom. So we are here together. No one will disappear, and we have the right to exist. Let us look forward, because the past, it's over. For that, our main goal is to ask for a reconciliation process, but to be after any a peace agreement because if we remain like this we will continue to sacrifice the blood of our kids forever we need to share this land as one state or two states or five states otherwise we will share the same land as two big graveyards to our kids and our family the palestinians will never ever accept the israeli occupation or the israeli control or Whatever it is, even the American occupation or the British occupation, we want to be free. And exactly as Israel have the right to uh, defend itself, which is okay, but they don't have any right to occupy another people's land. Because according to Jabotinsky, occupation creates resistance, oppression creates resistance. So this is the normal thing. The only answer is peace agreement, recognition of the Palestinian to for self-determination in their own state or one state, whatever, without occupation. Otherwise, unfortunately, we will continue to suffer. And the people of the world, we will, they will become a very big expert about Palestine, Israel, and allies, and we are dying.
0: Well, we all know what's happened since October. We've all witnessed it. But I think much of the world feels incredibly powerless. We don't know what can happen to fix this. Even the politicians at the highest level don't seem to be acting in a strong way, in a united way. What do you view as the solution to this?
3: You know, when I was a kid, I thought that they don't understand. They are from the West. It's a different culture. They know exactly what happened, unfortunately. Unfortunately. Uh, for that they support Israel unconditionally. And look at the government, one side, and the people, the normal people like us, they are on the other side. And here it's become pro-Israel, pro-Palestine. Uh, if you criticize any uh, behavior for Israel, it's anti-Semite. Even if you create Zionism, it's against the Jewish, which is not true. This is a sword. They use it to shut you down, to shut up you. Uh, So people need to raise up their voice, and this is what I say, what Martin Luther King says. At the end, we will remember not the words of our enemies, but the silence of our friends. It could happen to anyone in any state, in any country. If you don't raise up your voice for us now, when it's happened to you, no one will raise up his voice for you. We are very united, no one can live in freedom and democracy alone, we need to share these values for everyone.
0: I had um, a Palestinian, a Gazan Palestinian, on the show a, a few weeks ago, and he said that he felt, on behalf of all of his friends, the international voice wasn't there to call out what was happening. Is that the feeling?
3: Unfortunately, it's. This is one of the disappointed that the level of the human feeling the human uh, uh, voice around the world it's disappear uh, towards against justice and humanity and freedom to everyone when you support justice for the palestinians it means you support security for the israelis because if the palestinians are not free there is no security for the israelis if the israelis continue to occupy gaza and the west bank they will never feel Uh, uh, security or peace. This is normal. This is what we all want to say to the world, that there is a different way. We need to exist both of us, otherwise we will continue to fight forever.
0: Turning to you, from the Israeli side, we've seen what's happened. We've seen the pictures. Gaza is raised to the ground. How does that feel from your point of view when you talk amongst your friends, your family, and you watch this happening so close to your home? How do you get past this?
2: It is really devastating. The uh, Palestinian Hamas uh, people that uh, did the massacre on October 7th, were 10 years old kids when the operations took place in Gaza in uh, 2014. Uh, We were shocked by the events of uh, October 7th. Uh, We were shocked by the brutality. We were shocked by by the viciousness of it. But uh, after a minute, we were able to stop looking at the reality through the keyhole of the last event rise above and understand that it's only a part of a chain of events and uh, these kids in Gaza, the thousands and thousands of kids that are being bombed and killed will revenge and vice and again and again and again and the Israelis will uh, defend themselves using the right to defend, self-defense, and then uh, it will very quickly develop into a revenge. And this is a cycle of violence that go on for the last 150 years and will go on uh, for the next 150 years unless people like us who already paid the price will tell the people who did not pay the price yet that uh, we need to change our ways. We need to uh, look at the reality from above and understand it will not stop unless we talk and understand that, uh, look, I... uh, I have no sympathy for Hamas. Hamas are the killers of my daughter. I will speak to the devil itself in order to save one drop of blood. You can kill thousands of Hamas people. You cannot kill Hamas idea. You cannot kill the Palestinian willingness to be free. And if you ignore it, you will go on paying this uh, price. I really hope that uh, out of this agony, out of this uh, extreme pain, something good will happen. If you look at the outcome of the October 73 war, the outcome is peace between Israel and Egypt. If you look at the Irish people, 800 years of killing each other, they don't like each other. But they don't kill each other. Look at England, look at France, look at Germany, look at the Berlin Wall, look at the developments. We can change it and we can use this, this massacre, this uh, horrifying uh, reality as a, as a tool to create a new atmosphere in the, and, and open hope for a solution.
0: What do you think of the political voice in Israel?
2: there is no political voice in israel today it's uh, became a dialogue between two mafia dons you kill 10 of mine i will kill 13 of yours and uh, this is going on people are crazy out of humiliation and pain and anger and there is no one to talk to like uh, the israeli policy ever since uh, August 2000 in Camp David. We have no partner. We don't have anything, anyone to talk to. So we don't have to give up anything. But we have to give up anything. We have to be able to, to pay the price of peace. And we created Hamas. Hamas is not, uh, it's an Israeli invention. It was uh, created in, uh, in 1985. But the Israeli uh, security forces as a weight against the PLO. And it continues the the suitcases with millions of dollars by Mr. Netanyahu to the Hamas people against the the Palestinian Authority. So we are pions in this war, and uh, we have to stop saying yes. We have to disagree. You ha- you see this uh, uprising in Israel starting when the soldiers will come home, when the victims will not come back, the kidnaps, when the the. Uh, War will not end with victory, because it cannot end with victory. Then the rage and anger, I hope, I pray, will throw up this fascist government, the Israeli fascist government, and uh, maybe then we will have a chance for a different future.
0: And what do your friends that you've grown up with, seven generations of Israeli background in your family, uh, you've seen a lot through seven generations what do they see as a peaceful future?
2: Uh, I'm not sure they're capable of seeing as a peaceful future right now. Right right now they are stuck in the October 7th. They are in the middle of this pain and humiliation. It's the worst humiliation ever happened to the state of Israel as a state.
0: Humiliation
2: on what level? On on, on a level of defeat. We were defeated on October 7th and... uh, Israel has become the least secure place for any Jew around the globe. Uh, the conflict creates anti-Semitism all around the, the world. Uh, everything is collapsed, and uh, and uh, people feel insecure. People feel angry. People want to take revenge, and it's completely understandable. But the outcome is worse and worse and worse because killing tens of thousands of people will not bring peace.
0: Have you ever experienced anti-Semitism?
2: Yeah, I can, uh, I can imagine uh, that anti-Semitism feels like uh, what when someone like me talks about peace among a group of, uh, of uh, warmongers. mongers. Uh, I, can, I can understand my father is a Holocaust survivor. I heard stories. I, I, I know there is no comparison between the anti-Semitism of the 30s by the Nazis and the anti-Semitism of today. The modern anti-Semitism is an invention of the Israeli policy. And I'm afraid it's, uh, I always say.
0: You mean uh, it's it's because of Israeli policy?
2: Absolutely, I would say I'm, I'm, a, I'm a proud Jew with the utmost respect to my people, to my history, to my uh, tradition. And I I know that ruling and oppressing and humiliating and occupying millions and millions of people for so many years without any democratic right is not Jewish, period. There are no two ways about it. Being against it is not anti-Semitism, period.
0: So why don't Israeli people stand up against their political parties more?
2: Because uh, of the victimhood mentality, first of all. We carry on our backs this 3,000 years of victimhood and because of the Jewish superiority complex, uh, which leads you to a corner that uh, you have no other options. And uh, I hope and pray that events like uh, October 7th, when the smoke will go away, when the blood will start stop boiling, and the feelings of hatred and anger will come down. uh, They will be able to rise up above the event and look at the whole picture. And the whole picture, we have no alternative. This is the historical direction. We have to understand there is only one solution to this conflict. We can have one state, we can have two states, we can have 10,000 states, we can have federation or confederate, whatever. These are technical solutions. One word is essential. Without it, nothing will happen. The word you respect, and you have to be able to respect the guy next to you exactly as you want to be respected. No more and no less. You cannot look down at the other guy you cannot look up to the other guy you have to be equal and this is a precondition for any kind of progress in this environment
0: i want to turn back to you martin because you know these two gentlemen so well you've brought them to luxembourg before in 2018 how did you find their story
1: you mean how how did you find them well, I, I think the, in Israel-Palestine, this milieu of of people who are fighting for peace is not, unfortunately, is not that big. I mean, you have movements like Combatant for Peace, like the Parent Circle, like Breaking the Silence. Uh, you have a few, but we know when we were involved in this in this conflict for 20 years, like like I am. You know each other and uh, we support each other. We, we try to bring visibility or to support projects. And uh, yeah,
0: unfortunately, it's a long term uh,
1: commitment.
0: And they have made a film, in fact, called The Narrow Bridge. Please tell us about yeah, this so film. So, this is
1: a film done by an Australian um, lady. And it's uh, about four persons, among them Bassam and Rami, but mm-hmm. also the two ladies who are a member of this parent circle. So the film is telling the four stories and the evolution from what these people were before, during and after when they joined uh, the parent circle.
0: And I know the other two ladies in this film have also lost children, of course. That's why they're part of this organization.
1: Yeah, one is a mother who lost a teenager boy and the other one lost her father.
0: Mm-hmm. When you see films like this and you try to transmit the story of these films, what is the power of the visual film? I think you touch the heart. Um,
1: as yeah, it's from human being to the another human beings. For some point, the politics, which is very important, is set on the side. And I think and I hope it helps to create the connection. Uh, among also the people the viewers and then maybe then in the second step maybe you can start to speak about the politics and the solutions but it's exactly what uh, Rami said, is this is respect and I think when you can connect from heart to heart because everybody is a son or a daughter uh, of someone and is or will be, can be a parent of someone and it's easy to identify to this, to
0: yeah, to that pain. Um, in Luxembourg, where we are based right now, we have seen week after week protests in the city center to raise awareness about what's happening in Palestine. How has that felt for you and for the, the you, you have this organization, the Jewish Call for Peace. How has that felt for you here in Luxembourg? Well, I think it's the Jewish Call for Peace
1: we are in a specific place that it maybe is not so easy because clearly uh, we identify as Jews and uh, clearly as Jews uh, we have a relationship uh, of love or not love uh, uh, with Israel and at the same time we are clearly committed for equality and on supporting the rights of Palestinians because today sometimes we can be reproached to be too much supporting Palestinians and I think it's a big misunderstanding. I think it's Demonstru too, uh, we said that uh, if in a situation of injustice, you are neutral, actually you are supporting the strong one. So if we look sometimes maybe more committed uh, to support the, the rights of the Palestinians is because today they are the dominated uh, one and they are the first one, the one who needs support. And this is also why we are trying to ask our government uh, of a small country that was also occupied to support uh, the weakest one. And the w- weakest one is clearly today not only the weakest, but the, the more impacted on um, the Palis- Palestinian people. Um, but I've seen today that uh, there is a try from Spain and uh, Ireland um, to ask the European Commission to examine the uh, agreement, this association agreement uh, between the EU and Israel was is like a commercial agreement giving to Israel a status like a member state of the EU. And this is exactly what the EU can do because in this commercial agreement, there is an article telling that this gr- agreement is um, conditioned to the respect of uh, human rights. And so we have the tool here uh, as EU countries and we should use them. There is a debate uh, tonight at five at the Chamber of Deputies in uh, the Commission for Foreign Affairs. I hope there will be some direction like this, and that uh, Luxembourg could join Spain and Ireland. And I know Belgium is also on, on this way to pressure their other colleagues uh, on the EU level to do this minimalistic pressure on Israel, because it's really minimalistic.
0: And also, I want to ask you if you've ever experienced anti Semitism through the media recently in recent months since October 7th we've heard stories of a rise in anti-Semitic views across the world and Jewish people are feeling concerned about their own safety and the safety of their families and sometimes they feel scared to say anything out loud because they're worried about uh, being attacked uh, from the lives and the friends they've made in other countries around the world.
1: Yeah, unfortunately, antisemitism exists. Um, There's different kinds of antisemitism. I would say that the the far right uh, is more classic uh, for a long time. And clearly, what is happening in Israel-Palestine, it has been studied each time there has been a war uh, with Gaza, uh, the antisemitic acts have been increasing. Uh, And I think it's because there is a confusion in the head of people. Uh, They see State that is presenting itself as a Jewish state, pretends sometimes to be the Vatican of the Jews, which is clearly not the case. There's no Vatican uh, in Judaism. And uh, Israel is using this uh, also to instrumentalize anti Semitism and also the good feeling for the Jews who used to be victims. And I think that in the heads of some people, all this is not very clear. So they are also falling in the trap, either on one side or the other side. One side say, OK, we cannot criticize Israel because we will be accused of anti-Semitism. So we clearly not do this and we support Israel. And some other we will just say, but who are these Jews who are supporting Israel killing Palestinians? So this is why, this is the main reason we created Jewish Call for Peace, because we think explanations are needed. Clearly, we are not naive. You have some people, they are anti-Semitic, they have their own hatred, their own um, explanation for their own hatred, and it might not be easy or enough to explain. But I think it's the first step, to talk with the people, to explain the differences, to show that there are many, and there are more and more Jews who are actually really publicly denouncing the policy of Israel, and especially in the States. You have a Jewish community is getting really... They don't want to identify anymore with Israel. In Europe, it's also starting, but we are always a bit slower. But there are more and more Jews who say clearly not in our name. And so how do
2: you... I would like to add a few words to it, if I may.
0: Yes, I was just going to ask really how you uh, begin to dissociate yourself, the Jewish, from Israeli.
2: No, I don't need to dissociate myself from uh, Israel as a Jew. And this is not the problem. The problem is it became like a competition of victimhood, a competition of pain. And uh, it became like a reality game on TV, on commercial TV. The world is sitting on the balcony watching those uh, two sides fighting with a a mentality of uh, football fans. And this is my team, this is your team, you, it's a total loss game. I mean, uh, your gain is my my loss, your loss is my game, and there is nothing in the middle. What we are saying that we can be an Israeli and a Palestinian, we don't want to import our conflict to your society. You have really enough problems of your own, you don't need to fight our own battles and, and We demand of you to be pro-peace. Don't be pro-Israel. Don't be pro-Palestine. This will not help us. Be pro-peace. Be against injustice. Be against this ongoing situation in which one people is dominating another. This is the essence of the problem. It's not a zero-sum game.
0: And do you think it will take outside help to instigate this, or can this be done between Israel and Palestine? I think
2: the free and civilized world need to stop sending aside. I'm a son of a Holocaust survivor. My father was an Auschwitz graduate. And when they took my grandparents to the ovens 80 years ago, the free and civilized world stood aside, never lifting one finger. And today, while these two crazy nations are massacring each other without any mercy, and the genocide in Syria, and what's happening in the Ukraine, and the free and civilized world is standing aside, doing nothing.
0: Well, and I think there's a, a concern, an historic concern, that if they enter and try to help, it will cause other issues in the future.
2: No, I'm not sure, and there are so many ways that you can do not standing aside, you can put pressure, you can, you can show sympathy, you can, you can ask for ceasefire, you can demand ceasefires, you can do many, many things without this cautious, while thousands and thousands and thousands of human beings are being killed every minute, every day, every hour. And the line of little coffins for little bodies stretches from horizon to horizon. You need to make a moral decision.
0: And who is the best advocate for that in the world?
2: People like us who already paid the price.
0: I mean on the political level.
2: If you have your heart in the right side of your chest, if you have some brain, if you have some political knowledge, and you have some historical knowledge, you cannot stand aside. You cannot allow yourself to stand
3: aside. I just want to add uh, when we talk about anti-Semitism, yeah, it's there is anti-Semitism, but again the Israeli government use it as an excuse to shut up the people all over the world. From the other side, I call the Germans specially and Europe specially to give up the guilt mentality. Because when you feel guilt, you cannot act. You have no moral authority to speak because you are Nazi or you cooperate with the Nazism. It's over. The Holocaust is over. Now they need to raise up their voice for justice, for humanity, to recognize the Palestinian state. Otherwise, their silence is killing another people, the Palestinian people. We cannot continue to pay the price of the Holocaust forever as Palestinians. We are the victim of the victim. At the same time, my brother wrote, the Israelis need to give up their victimhood mentality and not to use this very painful past to victimize the Palestinians. Otherwise, we will repeat it again and again and again. Uh, I wrote once that the, uh, the Israelis, unfortunately, they find their own Jewish and i pray in the future that the palestinians will never find their own palestinians we need to break this circle of victimhood mentality
0: the the pain is so deep and the trauma is so raw and we're sitting in yet another war i know that most people listening if not all people listening would want to see peace and I believe most people I've spoken to have humanity at their heart and find it very difficult to understand the cycle of pain that you're living through. But of course, as you, as you mentioned, we've seen it many times over in the world. What would be the first step?
3: I believe people like us, we are very determined to cross the narrow bridge. And we will. And this is our goal. This is the goal of the movie. It's called the narrow bridge. It's really narrow, but it's a bridge, and we will cross it. We are in the right direction of the history. We are not going to continue killing each other forever. It's not written anywhere. It's up to us to live side by side or together, or unfortunately, we will continue to kill each other. This is our call. We can live together. We can live side by side. When we discover the humanity of ourselves, and to understand that your enemy is exactly like you, then, only then, we recognize the humanity in each other and we can share this land. Mm -hmm.
0: Rami, would you like to add anything to this?
2: (laughs) My wise uh, brother is always right. We need to concentrate on building bridges instead of uh, rising walls. All these walls that we build between us and our so-called enemies, all the technological measures, all this armament, all this electronics, all these atomic bombs will not defend us. If we will be bridges, if we will look at the eye of the other side, if we will try to listen to the pain of the other side, we can expect the other side to listen to our pain and then together start this uh, journey of redefining everything. What are the reasons that we are willing to kill for? And what are the reasons that we are willing to die for? I think it will be achievable.
0: Thank you both so much for coming here to Luxembourg to tell your story again to high school students across the country, to our listeners here in Luxembourg and abroad. We wish you and your families and friends peace. We wish you continued long life of of advocating for peace and we hope that peace can come very soon.
2: Amen. Inshallah.
0: Inshallah, amen. Yes, uh, Martin. Just turning to you, how can people who live in Luxembourg help with your organization?
1: Well, they can follow us on the social networks. Uh, we are there. Um, I think they can help also just by refusing to have to take to take a side and to polarize. And to accept the discussion and to accept, to accept also the complexity and also to, to be sure that we, especially here in Luxembourg, that we preserve uh, the discussion and also this uh, living peacefully together.
0: I'm so grateful for you bringing these people to Luxembourg and for them to continue to share their story, particularly with the young people of Luxembourg. And I'm absolutely sure you've changed minds there and and just reaffirmed that voice of humanity inside them all. Thank you very, very much for coming here today.
2: Thank you. Thank
0: you for having us, Leo.
3: The Lisa Burke Show.